0: Well, this morning we're going to open um, to Romans 15. I believe it's 949 in the Bibles in the aisles if you guys need one. <coughs> so the day after Christmas, I'm sure you guys have attended some Christmas parties or hosted some Christmas parties. Um, and this morning what I, what I want us to think about is, is being welcoming. I wonder how, how do you welcome someone? What do you do when you're expecting guests or visitors over to your house? Do you prepare? Do you sacrifice anything for that visit to welcome them into your home to make them feel comfortable? Looking at Christmas and the birth of Christ, as we think about the, interest of Christ in the world, entrance of Christ into the world, I can't help but think about his life and his sacrifice for us, what he did on the cross. And it's amazing to me that from the beginning, from the foundations of the earth, Christ knew what he was going to do for us, for sinful people. He would come to earth, live as we do, and die for our sins. And it's because of him that we are welcomed into the kingdom of God. And that as one body, we would glorify God. So let's read Romans 15, uh, verses 7 to 13. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I pray that your gospel message would be communicated clearly. I pray the words that come from my mouth would not be mine, but would be guided and steered by you. Father God, I thank you that you have given us your word as a guide in our lives. I thank you that you sent your Son to die on a cross for us, and I thank you for sending the Spirit that we may know the power of the resurrection and the power that you have for us. So, Father God, this morning, let our lives be impacted, open our ears, and soften our hearts to what you have for us. Amen. So I'm going to give you my walk away at the very beginning, what I want you to get out of this morning. So if you want to get up after this and go, you're welcome. But there's a $100 fee at the door. Um, What I want us to walk away with this morning is, is really simple. It's that Christ came to earth, he lived a life where he was fully man and fully God. He is now fully alive in heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. It is because of his sacrifice that we are able to give God glory. Christ is the unifying force through Christ alone that we as Christians need to come back together behind and strive to live our lives like because he is the perfect example of what it is to love one another, accept one another, welcome one another for no other reason than the glory of God. In verse 7, it says, Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. When I read that the first time, the, the first question that came into my head is, what did Christ sacrifice to welcome us? What did he give so that we could be welcomed? And he gave his life. He gave it all. He gave up sitting in heaven with God from the beginning of time to come down to earth to be a man, to serve us. The wording also, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you, is, is a call for us to continue welcoming one another. This isn't a one and done, I've sh- shaken your hand, I've welcomed you to this building, my home, my work, my office, whatever. Welcoming is something that takes time. Yeah, we all have our shortcomings, don't we? We're rude, we're inconsiderate, we're annoying, we're selfish, we're greedy. Christmas was yesterday. Think about it. Think about maybe a Christmas past. I know I have a story like this of where you were disappointed about a gift that you didn't get or so caught up in this one particular gift that you did get. You were more concerned about that, about those gifts, what you were receiving or giving or wanting than you were about how you treated other people in the Christmas season. How you... Greeted the the clerk that was checking you out in the busy Christmas time, or how you interacted with a clerk when you were trying to return something that you maybe you didn't have the receipt. Or bigger yet, what kind of reflection were you of Christ to everybody during the Christmas season? We're so easily caught up with what we want and what we think we deserve that we forget about who we are. What does it mean to welcome one another? It means that we have to give something. We have to give something of ourselves. It means that when we are expecting guests to stay in our home, we add extra items to our grocery list that we maybe wouldn't normally buy because we know it's something that they like. It means that we open our doors to people when it's not convenient for us or easy for us or when our house isn't exactly perfect as we want to present it, but that we allow people to come into our homes because they are people and we are called to welcome them. As children of God. At Missio Day, it's not just shaking their hand when they come in and handing them a bulletin or a connection card or giving them the nod as you see them across the room. At Missio Day, it means that we welcome people as Christ welcomed them. We love others. We get involved in others' lives, sometimes whether we like it or not. We hold each other to account when we want it and when we don't. It's a reflection of how Christ loves us so that our creator gets the glory for it. Not that the reputation of Missio Dei is improved or ourselves or any other person here, but only because we want God to get the glory from how we interact with one another because he loved us first. Eric actually told me a story, was that Friday, in the office about a preacher who basically came up to the pulpit and said, love others. and Then he got down and walked out and that was it. And he did this several Sundays in a row. The first time, you know, it's probably shocking enough, especially sitting for one-hour messages here, to have someone come up and say two words, love others, and then walk out the door. But to have this Sunday after Sunday after Sunday until he felt his congregation understood that we are called as Christians to love Others. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Loving others doesn't mean that you meet them once, too. You know, like I've said, it's not this one and done thing. We are called to continue welcoming one another because Christ welcomed us first. That means we follow hard after the example of Christ in everything that we do. Jesus sat at the well. He healed many people in a crowded house where I'm sure he was exhausted and hot and wanted nothing to do with people touching him. At least that's how I would feel. He ate with tax collectors. He even invited himself to tax collectors' houses. And he did many other socially uncool things for that time. But Jesus wasn't concerned about his reputation. He wasn't concerned about what people thought of him. Jesus was concerned about living the call that God had placed on his life. That even though people didn't understand or accept what he was doing, he knew that he was doing it to the glory of God. He was concerned about his life being a living testimony to who God is. So even us, as we were still sinners, vile, ungodly enemies of God, He came and died for us. In 2001, when I was a day camp coordinator at Camp Manitoba, I I did a Bible time a couple times throughout the summer where I talked about bullies. And I talked about being bullied at your school and and what it's like to be bullied. And then I said, now, think about that bully, that person that, that gives you such a hard time. I said, would you be willing to give something up for them? Maybe, would you be willing to ever give up your recess time to that bully? Or give up your lunch money freely to that bully, not because he's coercing you. You know, what, what are you willing to give back to this person that's giving you such a hard time, this, this person who you may even classify as an enemy of yourself? Now, I would talk a little more, and I would, I would kind of then go to, would you be willing to lay down your life for this person, knowing that this person may or may not ever acknowledge you even for it? that they may continue thinking you're just their punching bag. But would you be willing to lay down your life for them? Because that's what Christ has done for us. While we were sinners, while we were separated from God because of sin, he came, willingly laying down his life. And so the call on our life, then, is to be welcoming to others, Who are different than us. And I wonder why is it so hard for us to to welcome fellow Christians that we have some petty difference with? You know, just like those Christmas gifts, we get more caught up with the Christmas gifts that we are or not receiving than we do with the person that we're interacting with. As Christians, we get so caught up with these petty differences, these things that really shouldn't rock our worlds, but we get so hung up on these that we miss the person that we're having this difference with. We're so quick to condemn someone who's not like us while overlooking the fact that Christ is so quick to die for that person. We are called that we might be one body, the body of Christ fully unified behind the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Following after the leading of the Holy Spirit, that is one, one body of Christ, we would bring God glory. Are we getting it? Do we get that God is the only one who is worthy of glory and honor and praise? That it's not about our reputation or us or who what kind of perception we want people to have of us? Our word, our life, in word and deed needs to testify in everything we do to the greatness of God, our Father in heaven. As we move to verses 8 through 12-ish, 12, we see Paul, who has now clearly pointed to Christ as the model for how Christians should live, shifting gears a little bit. He shifts gears to talk about Jesus' ministry and the objectives that he had while he was on earth. Jesus became a servant to the circumcised, he came to earth as a Jew so that he could fulfill uh, God's, serve as God's Messiah for Israel. And this was in accordance with the Old Testament, pro- Old Testament prophecy. In 2 Corinthians 1.20 it says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Jesus is the fulfillment of, Of God's promises to Israel. He came, lived, died, and was resurrected all in accordance with the prophecies of the Old Testament. Jesus also came so that the Gentiles, us, we who are sitting here today, can glorify God for his mercy. Back in Jesus' day, God had a covenant to Israel. He made promises to Israel that they would be his people. He had no such covenant with the Gentiles. And if you were not of Jewish descent, you were a Gentile. Therefore, any spiritual blessings that came to the Gentiles came solely from the mercy of God, that we serve a merciful God. The Old Testament passages quoted uh, throughout 9 to 12 um, cover all three divisions of the Old Testament, the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And as we read through through those, there's a definite progression. So if your Bible is still open, we're going to start in verse 9-ish, about the second half of verse 9. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. Here we hear David praising God among the Gentiles. He's with them, they're, they're surrounding him, and he is praising God among them. And again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Moses here is calling Gentiles to rejoice with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the, nation, let the peoples extol him. The psalmist here is commanding Gentiles, praise the Lord. First it was among them, then it was with them, and now it is, it's a command. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Isaiah predicts the Gentiles will live under the rule of the root of Jesse, the Messiah, Christ. And in him, they will have hope. The Old Testament doesn't go as far as to extend the covenant of the Old Testament to Gentiles. But it is pretty clear that through the Gentiles, through God's fulfilling of his promises to Israel, the Gentiles will receive blessing. That's us. Through those who believe because of the word, because of the leading of the Spirit, because of the testimony of others, we are blessed by a merciful God that we serve. In fulfilling his promises, God creates a new covenant with his people, a covenant in the blood of his Son. Jesus' blood is sufficient for all. That means that through his blood, all are able to be called children of God. We are able to bring God glory even though we are sinful people because of the blood of Christ. But do we really understand the bigness of what God of what Christ did for us? Do we really understand why Christ had to come? These are the questions that keep, kept coming up as I as I sat in this piece of scripture. Do we really understand the the depths of our sinful nature? That we as sinners are deserving of nothing but hell. Even though we think we might be entitled to this or that or to have creature comforts or that perfect house or that perfect car, all we deserve is hell. Yet God, in His love and mercy for us, allowed His Son to come as a living sacrifice, to take on all of our sin. Every single piece of sin was laid upon Christ so that once we accept Christ, once we understand the sacrifice that he has made for us and the Spirit comes upon us, we may glorify him and enter into God's presence. It is in Christ's blood that our worship becomes acceptable. And I'm not talking about simply musical worship on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about the worship of our lives, of how we treat one another, of what we do when no one else is looking, and what standard we hold ourselves to, whether it's an earthly standard or the standard of Christ. Knowing that we can never be Christ, but through the power of the Spirit, through the blood of, of Jesus, we have the ability to come into God's presence. It is because of a baby born in a stable who grew into a man that hung on a cross that we are called to love one another. And this local expression of the body of Christ that we call Missio Dei has a big calling in the Mokina, New Lenox, Frankfurt, Lincoln Way area and south. We have a call to love each other well in all of we do, in all that we do. Because we're told that they, those outside of this local expression, those who uh, don't understand maybe what Christ has done, they will know that you are Christians by the way that you love one another. It's not that you hand them a Bible all the time. You know, we may never know who we affect by how we interact with one another. That person that maybe overheard part of our conversation or that person that can see two Christians who clearly love one another, Coming together to share and. Uh, sorry, that snow is really distracting to me that it's falling. Coming together to share life, to share resources, to share what it is to do life together so that God gets the glory. It's a beautiful thing when you see that. And it's a beautiful thing that we have an opportunity to see that every day at Missio Day through people that clearly love one another. Not because we want to love one another, but because we understand that Christ loved us first, that God loves us first, and through that overflow, we are called to love others. Verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The God of hope. To me, these are reassuring words in my life hope is an amazing thing in all of our lives hope is an amazing thing hope is what gets you out of bed in the morning it what it's what gets you moving into your day the hope of salvation the hope of rejuvenation of being made whole the hope that god will hold true to his promises We serve a God of hope who wants to fill us with joy and peace. Joy being the delight of anticipation of seeing one's hopes fulfilled, and peace being the assurance that God will fulfill those hopes. We are assured of that. That's not an I think statement. That's not an I want to believe statement. We serve a God who fills us with joy and peace so that we can delight in anticipation and be reassured that he will fulfill our hopes. We serve a God who sent us Christ, his own son, to die for us, to create for us a new covenant in his own blood. We We serve a God who loves us so much that he sent the power of the Holy Spirit that we may understand the power of the resurrection in our lives, and that we would overflow with hope to those around us. This was Paul's prayer for the Romans, and it's still true for us today that we would be filled with joy and peace. That by the power of the Holy Spirit we may abound in hope, in the hope of a God who redeems us, that we as one, as one body, would glorify him, understanding that Jesus is the point. So how does that affect us today as we walk out the doors? I wish I had a concrete walk away for you. A concrete, write this down and you will understand what joy and peace looks like in your life. You will understand what hope is in your life. I don't. And the reality is you probably won't remember 50% of what I've said here today. And I'm okay with that. I think. (laughs) But I do want you to walk out of here reassured that our God is a God of hope and our lives are to be one that glorifies him through the sacrifice of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we do that by loving one another. Not only when it's convenient or easy for us, but when it means that we have to sacrifice something, that we have to give of something as Christ gave for us. So that those around us would know that we are Christians because of the way we love each other. That we are able to put aside petty spats and differences and junk that doesn't matter and understand that loving one another because Christ loves us, is what matters. Because that is what gives God glory. Jesus came to give God glory. And it is all our calling to do the same for him who loves us every day. This morning as we prepare to come to the table for communion... I want us to remember that we are sinners, that we are enemies of God. But because of his mercy and grace, we are able to come to this table this morning. To remember Jesus' sacrifice so that we might glorify God as one body. As you prepare to come up here today, take your time. This isn't a rush. No one's going to be timing you. Take your time and spend some time in prayer. Be intentional about it. Examine yourself. I know sometimes it's hard to look inward. It's so much easier to look out at everyone else than it is to look at ourselves sometimes. But take some time. Be quiet and still before God. Understand a picture, a glimpse of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. What that means for us today and every day of our lives as we think back to that night that Jesus sat with his disciples, he took bread and broke it, saying, This is my body. Whenever you eat of it, remember me. In the same way, he took a cup and filled it, saying, This cup represents a new covenant, a covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink, remember me. Would the servers please come forward. Thank you. So take your time. Again, this isn't a race. Take this time to be qu- quiet and still and be intentional. And when you are ready, you may come for all things are prepared.